Today's episode of A Dog's Life is brought in part by Orvis. Every doggy needs a comfy place to rest and relax. That's why Orvis has perfected the art of dog beds. For over 40 years, Orvis's UK HQ has championed a culture of we love dogs. Taking the lead not only in manufacturing dog beds and other products, but in education, information and advice for all dog lovers. Being very eco-conscious, Orvis's latest bed collection, made in the UK, cleverly uses recycled plastic bottles and the range is named the Comfort Fill Eco Bed. Mr Binks is a very lucky chap, we know that already, <laughs> but now he has his own personalised Orvis wraparound dog bed. With his name embroidered, it's definitely his. This bed contains about 146 recycled plastic bottles. Overall, Orvis is actually saving an average of 15 million plastic bottles from entering the Earth's oceans every year. It gives me peace of mind that we're doing our bit for the planet. Even the sumptuous cushion incorporates the ecofill. What's more, Orvis gives 5% of their pre-tax profits to nature and conservation projects, in line with their ethics over 150 years to love the wild, explore it and protect it. And listeners of A Dog's Life can get a discount from Orvis until December the 31st. Just go to orvis.co.uk and enter the promo code ANNA25 to get £25 off your £50 purchase. That's orvis.co.uk forward slash Anna25. I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Well, Mr Binks, today is a very sombre day. It's Remembrance Sunday, when we all stop and reflect on those who fought and died for our freedom. But it wasn't just people who fought in combat. Many animals, particularly dogs, did as well. And that's why we're going to speak to Emma Ward of the National Military Working Dogs Memorial UK, who are raising funds to commemorate the dogs in all four sections of the military up in North Wales. Hi, Emma. Hello. How, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Because, you know, bearing in mind today is Remembrance Sunday, it really is the day of the year to think about <laughs> uh, all the animals, for me especially the dogs, that uh, served and paid the ultimate price. That's right, yes. They're a very important part of the, the military. Um, and we, des- we think they deserve some recognition for what they've done. I couldn't agree more. I mean, obviously, there's the wonderful animal memorial at Hyde Park where there will be services celebrating the animals and everyone will be wearing their purple poppy. But it is in the middle of Hyde Park Corner, which is in normal times, you know, surrounded by lots of uh, carbon monoxide and traffic and hustle and bustle. And what I love about your memorial is that it's kind of going to be the polar opposite to that in a way in its location at least that's right 
um, when we looked at it, where we ha are situating the memorial is very central in the UK, especially when you take into account those dogs that served from Northern Ireland. Um, the North Wales spot, when you look at the, the map of the UK, as I say, it's very central and a lot of the, you know, existing memorials to animals and things like that are, or, you know, always down south. Um, so it's nice to get something uh, a little bit for, further north, you know, to, to encompass those dogs that served uh, there, you know. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, I was brought up in Shropshire and funnily enough, every single holiday was in Anglesey. So I'm very familiar with North Wales. And, and that segues really in, in a way a bit to my dad because he was a retired army officer and he actually fought in the Second World War on the front line, actually went in after D-Day. So he really encouraged me to read books like the Judy story when I was about 11 and read Judy's story. And dad was also the secretary of the Shropshire branch of the RSPCA in his retirement. So animals were really encouraged, you know, in our home. And he really supported my love of, of all animals. But Judy is one of the dogs in your memorial. Explain a little bit how this memorial is going to take shape, Emma. Firstly, we've, we've gifted the land. I work at a uh, with my family at pet funeral services it's a pet cemetery um and one of the things that's been catalyst in in us uh, carrying on with the memorial is that the, the land has been gifted so um it will have its own entrance and be open to the public um and, and as i say many memorials that they have put uh, for existing war dogs have been you know on the side of a an RAF base or something like that which isn't ac uh, accessible to the general public um, so you know that was important to, to have the, the land and have its own entrance um, and then the memorial itself um, is going to constitute is have a have a central traditional uh, folly type temple and then there's going to be four decorative paths leading north south east and west will it each have a a hero dog um facing the facing the you know north south east and west which will all represent the military branch in which each served um and you know as i say it's a long overdue memorial um lots of military personnel have have tried for many years to get this in you know the national arboretum but they've been un unsuccessful um you know not wanting to to have a memorial of this size um um for the dogs so you know we're we're a bit we're free to to uh, build the memorial as you know as we want and we wanted it to look like it's always been there you know so that's why we've chosen the sort of uh, central folly which they have many war memorials. It sounds amazing. Um, you know, I've seen drawings and drawings or of architectural plans, if you like, are on your website. Who has been commissioned to actually build it and and craft the sculptures of the dogs? We've selected the artist Andy Edwards. Um, he's an acclaimed artist. He's he's done many sort of statues. He he did the police dog memorial. And he's done um, different memorials, you know, for the Beatles and in in, in Liverpool. 
um, we really noticed his work. We we did have have a, st a statue of an Akita that he built um, within the cemetery. So we know he's um, very good with the dogs and just uh, expressing the, the actual personality of them and things like that. The actual statues, um, they're not all rigid, you know, just to, as a statue would be. They're quite action shots and things like that, which will, uh, you know, help describe their their personalities and he's very um pleased to be working with us you know on such an important uh, memorial and of course he's, he's in the uk so we would you know we wouldn't have to you know transport the statues from overseas yeah the other thing we liked about um andy uh, as i say this is this will be the first memorial which will it doesn't have a generic dog uh, representing dogs at war. It will have the, the actual dogs um, that have served. I love that because you've chosen four dogs who each represent one of the sections of the armed forces. That's right, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Um, to the south will be Judy. Um, to the north, basically, you know, Army North um, will be Theo. And then to the east, We've got Lucky, the German Shepherd, and to the west, we've got Buster. Now, for people who might not know these dogs already, tell us a bit about Judy, because I might burst into tears, Emma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, go on, go on. She really, in my, I mean, they're all brilliant. They all go beyond their duty, don't they, these dogs, beyond being man's best friend. But Judy, it, it really, gosh, I mean, it affected me badly, you know, in, in so much as her... Her bravery but you explain Judy's story yeah well as I say we we selected Judy to represent um the navy she was officially a mascot actually um but we we you know she did so much since she her story is written the book book by Damien Lewis Judy a dog in a million um and also Damien Lewis is very pleased to you know to support us as well he's become a patron um and uh, Judy herself, you know, she was an amazing war hero. She was the only dog to actually be officially registered as a prisoner of war. Um, and, you know, she was keeping the morale up in, in the um, the prison camps in Sumatra. Um, and she, you know, she did a lot after the, the war as well. She was awarded the, the Dickin Medal in 1946. And her citation reads actually is, uh, you know, for magnificent courage and endurance in the Japanese prison camps, which helped to maintain morale among her fellow prisoners and also saving many lives through her intelligence and watchfulness. And it's also as, you know, she's representing that the dogs not only play an important part in being soldiers and and um saving the lives they also provide a, an important role in keeping the morale up um uh, you know and that the the prisoners and the uh, the other officers um you know they came to trust her really and yes and what i loved is as well it, it really for me her story also showed what is represented with all of these dogs even and today you know is the bond between the the handlers and the dogs because there was one uh, soldier frank who kind of befriended judy and trained her to respond to really low whistles and very subtle hand signals so that they could navigate the prisoner of war camp because 
of course, it was a Japanese prisoner of war camp and they didn't like dogs, did they much? So Judy's life was kind of on the line, not least because she was pretty much starving like everybody was, but because they just didn't want a dog there. That's right. She was, um, you know, some of the things you don't believe that could be trained into a dog, you know, whether they come naturally or however, but they used to hide her in um, sacks and, um, you know, just keep her out of the reach of the the prison guards um and i think that was the big thing for frank that um you know when he didn't want to go on he, he looked into the eyes of judy and seen that um you know and that, that's how they they picked her up um and it was such an important part and then of course they were released um and then she went on to you know to um find insurgents in the jungle and you know all sorts of things she actually um you know she she won the um, the Dickin medal after the war yes. and then became a bit of a celebrity as well you know she was apparently um, wasn't it she was the first dog ever to bark on the BBC airwaves yeah that's right I read that and I thought that was absolutely fantastic you know so she was part of the victory parade as well yeah so she's you know she's highlighting those things and considering the rough time she had for three whole years of her life you know she lived till a good age and was very very much loved till the very end yes that's right she does have a little uh, memorial I think in Tanzania um which you know we're which is placed, but we wanted her to to really represent the, the because the memorial itself it is a war memorial, and they're not necessarily died in action, you know. Um, they've they've just put and we we picked Judy obviously because she was a prisoner of war and um, it's in the Second World War as well, so it's showing that how long these you know these relationships have gone back and how you know important they've been in war theatres you know let's talk about theo theo is more modern in so much as his story hit all the news in i think it's i'm right in saying 2010 he's representing the army isn't he emma that's right yeah i mean um again another exceptional dog which we've chosen yes because of a you know because of his fame as well you know that he that he made the news and people are aware of him um but he was a an ravc arms and explosive search dog um you know and again this is sort of highlighting the bond between a handler and dog um you know it, it when he's training it was it was clear that he was something special you know bright agile and he was actually matched with lance corporal liam tasker in the september of 2010 and you know two weeks after the deployment you know as predicted they bonded immediately and they went on to become a, a dream team you know locating everything in their path you know the men trusted him uh, you know because he, he worked so hard just for a sort of chew on his ball yeah i know that's all they want you see that tennis ball is the biggest reward it's so funny <laughs> oh that's go it. on yeah but 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 sadly liam liam was blown up wasn't he and that's um, right um you know, on Tuesday, the 1st of March, 2011, so it wasn't that long ago, um, Liam was on, on patrol and obviously uh, Theo was alongside him. Liam fell to a uh, sniper's bullet and, um, you know, he was killed in action and and uh, Theo died of a seizure just hours um, after Liam. And this really prompted so much in the press that had 
uh, Theo died of a broken heart. You know, was it shock? You know, he was a healthy young dog with um, no underlying conditions that were known of. Um, but he saw his master die. Yeah. And then and then um, died just hours later with the seizures. So it was quite unexplainable, really. I mean, Jane Duffy, um, Liam's mum, um, she said, you know, she she knows that her son died doing the job that he loved. And, you know, he lo- Liam loved Theo as much as she loved her son, you know. And um, she said with every ounce of her being, you know, it was, it was it's unbearable to lose a son. But she said for Liam to survive without Theo would be unthinkable. You know, she really did understand that he was part of the family. He used to get, um, you know, packages at Christmas for, for him. And um, so he wasn't just, a, you know, a, an equipment you know, that's one of the things which we wanted to to highlight that, you know, the, the dogs aren't equipment. They are um, soldiers in their own right. Absolutely. And, uh, and, the, and the roles that they play, you know, they fulfill an aspect that perhaps people can't can't do in in many tasks i mean like with theo his exceptional nose helped so many people get through a uh, terrible terrain out in um afghanistan and you know a human just can't do these things similarly going back to the first world war you know when um dogs were messenger dogs running between the trenches you know being under fire in the thick mud and uh with because we didn't have broadcast equipment we didn't have iphones so the dogs were the only way of getting messages from a to b which of course saved lives and we couldn't have done it without the dogs that's right you know uh this is how important they are you know right from the start and i think they used to work alongside the pigeons and um, yes i love the, the pigeons in the war actually it's one of my favorite things the pigeons did very well didn't they yeah they did and i say to walk work alongside the dogs i think one of um i was told the reason why we had so many dogs to go over to afghanistan is because we'd had the troubles in northern ireland you know they had a, a dog unit there and they were already trained so that's why they were deployed uh, overseas but nowadays we're using dogs more and more um you know because they're realizing how how effective they are in in searching out those um ieds uh, and so that they, they are li- literally saving many many lives because as you say the the humans just couldn't um locate them and this is one of the reasons why they have they had bounties on the head you know all of the dogs that we're um we're featuring in the memorial had those those bounties so if they, if any any of the the terrorists killed a dog they would they would get a big cash bonus i think lucky who um served in the malaya conflict i think it was uh 100 american dollars which which was the bounty on their head and that in the 50s was an awful lot of money yes and lucky's an interest because lucky represents another plinth doesn't she yes she's going to be facing east and she's representing the uh, raf in the within the memorial um and she was a anti-terrorist tracker dog um and she was one of a four strong uh, team of german shepherds selected by the raf um she underwent the vigorous training um and then she was you know capable of of locating explosives and insurgents um and she served for 3 years and she and actually she was the only dog of her uh, of her, her team to survive the tour of duty um 
and she wasn't recognised for her bravery until 2007, you know, posthumously awarded the Dickin Medal. And um, again, again it's, 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 it's highlighting how long ago the, the, the dogs have been important. And, and, you know, the Dickin Medal you mentioned there, you know, um, which is honoured by the PDSA, it's um, basically the equivalent, isn't it, Emma, of the Victoria Cross. And it's the only medal of its kind, really, to award the bravery for dogs in the armed forces. Well, all animals, all animals, actually, even even a cat. There was, uh, there's only been one cat actually ever to have been awarded the Dickin Medal. Um, I know this because my own cat Gremlin had to stand in for Simon, who was a Navy cat, um, at their, um, I think it was their hundredth anniversary celebrations and they wanted a cat to represent Simon and uh, the PDSA chose my cat because he's a dead ringer for Simon to do it. It's a bit of an aside but also important to acknowledge that a cat played a vital role as well. One cat (laughs) in the war effort. I've always thought, because I did read about Simon as well, um, you know, doing my research, and I sort of thought it'd be nice to have a little secret paw somewhere within the memorial for Simon, you know. <laughs> yes, um, definitely, you know, because, I mean, that 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 ship, you know, it had a, a hard time, it got captured, I think, but we digress a bit here, but Simon was really, again, this mascot for, for, for the whole ship, you know. But again, with mascots, it's, it's interesting, because, you know, I've got uh, bull terriers I've owned bull terriers for for hundreds of years almost and um, I love the idea really that the bull terrier they tried to engage it to work you know in the war and do something positive but um, failed miserably because they are deemed the only breed that is untrainable which I will dispute Emma obviously (laughs) but it was the RAF segue back obviously to Lucky that you know the fighter pilots uh, during the Battle of Britain they kept bull terriers you know as their friends and I can so understand that because they're so human bull terriers you know they have moods they're 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 not the easiest dog to own really but the RAF just adored them to be their companions to hang out with and get some sanity I think after probably doing the most daring thing man has done ever you know go up in those tiny planes that were probably a bit flimsy in places compared to aeroplanes these days Emma wouldn't you say yeah you know and they have to parachute out don't they like the other soldiers and I mean the bravery of everyone really in conflict is second to none but lastly the last plinth brings us more into the present doesn't it Emma that's right well we've we've chosen Buster um I mean, this is where the memorial first, you know, the idea came about because um, I was working at the pet cemetery and um, I heard about Buster's death. Actually, I didn't didn't understand, you know, know of the story beforehand. And I put something on the social media of the pet cemetery and it just got this avalanche of likes and and. Um, you know, customers saying that we should do something for them. And that's how we I uh, contacted Will Barrow. Um, they were already actually doing a small memorial to to Buster. But, um, you know, and Will ended up being one of our trustees and really helping with that, with that side of things. And Buster was, um, you know, obviously in the book, Buster, the, the dog that saved a thousand lives. Will thinks, you know, he probably even saved more than that. Um, you know, he had a decorated career, completing five tours of, you know, in Bosnia, Afghanistan, Iraq. Um, and he was famously the last dog to leave Iraq. Um, and then again, he did survive the, 
um, deployment and um, went on to do a lot of charity work and things like that with with Will um, following his book launch and, and things like that and, and was I think he was awarded the lifetime achievement honor in Crufts as well so um, and he was you know signing books and and alongside um, representing mascots so he, he's going to be uh, representing the mascot side of the memorial so we've got you know army navy raf and mascots he's obviously an raf dog but it's um he was a he was awarded the the lifetime honor um of being a police mascot so um you know he's he's a is a good example of absolutely um, i mean it, it's it's such a brilliant concept this and you know emma you're you're needing funds, aren't you, really, to help make make this become a reality? That's right. Um, you know, we've we've got a target of one hundred and fifty thousand, but because we we want it to to really be something special, and we we want it to last forever. So we've, we've you know chosen the the solid bronze statues, um, and we've I think we're about fifty seven thousand pounds towards our um, target. But of course, since the you know the COVID and the the current pandemic, a lot of the funding streams have been suspended. You know, only fe- focusing on um, COVID-related charities, and we'd normally be an ideal candidate for heritage funding and um, for what we're doing. But as I say, we're unable to do that. So we're um, and also, of course, all the street collections and things like that, which were always very well received. You know, when we're collecting money and we're telling people about the stories. Um, you know, everybody's so generous and, um, you know, it's, it's just a remarkable sort of reception that we have. Well, I'm not surprised. And, and it is, you know, uh, tricky times for everyone. But it's it's easy to donate, isn't it? On on Is it through your website mainly? And a question I wanted to ask you, Emma, do you donate for each dog or do you or so if you've got say a preference you know their story so you'd like to donate to judy's sculpture or busters or also and and obviously theo and i'm lucky to you is it individually donated to a dog or is it all a collective pot well it's in a collective pot but sometimes people will uh say this is in memory of buster or judy on, on the um on the donations um and we have many sort of on the just giving people can do little dog walks or marathons or things like that to cake sales bake sales they've they've done all of that to donate to the um to the charity but also what they do um is they donate into in a memory of a current serving dog or their own dog or we do have many donations in memory of um just you know humans that, that have uh George Henry Morgan was the first one that they, you know, he said when he passes away, he wants his all the um, donations to go towards the charity. Um, and we've had a few, uh, you know, in memory like that. So there's many ways that you can you can donate, and for many reasons, um, we we had a, a quite a large donation from the RAF officer training um, group. And that was that was nice, really, because I'm always when I'm out um, canvassing and, and telling people, I'm always making people cry. And, you know, yeah, it's, I... it's uh, you know, it's awful. So when they did, a, they did, a, you know, limp sick 
battle, uh, lip sync battle and different fun things and activities to donate. It was really nice to for them, you know, for them to be able to to donate in that way by not, you know not so much doing sad things and and you know doing it that way. So yeah, we've, we we're struggling with don't with the the donations, but we've recently um, got some merchandise on the the site so people can purchase those in support of us you know well obviously we're we're a very small charity really we've got a big you know aim and it's going to be a, a very important national significant even international significance really because we've had a lot of interest you know from overseas well, of course amazing and I mean recently I think Mark uh, the vet Mark Abraham um, he's become a patron yeah we're delighted about that obviously we did a i first met mark in parliament when we did our launch of the charity that was i um, was at that app dog emma i think we may have met that night i was at app dog the night you someone i i think it may well have been you yeah yeah that was talking so um and i i love the idea that's right yeah. I was invited by Mark to come along and speak to the app dog and then obviously realised all the work that he was doing with Lucy's Law and, um, you know, just, again, pets aren't property. They're not equipment. They are a big part of our lives. And um, I approached Mark to to become a patron. He was absolutely di- delighted. Um, and I, I was delighted. I attended, Prim, you know, the Primrose Hill uh, dog show that he did um in the summer the year before and and again when i'm going around these doggy festivals the people are so nice i think you know we we we're very lucky to meet such nice people because i think people who are dog lovers and they're an important part of their lives are just a nicer nice people you know so i think so i think people who really value man's best friend um and and understand that yeah um i think it's a, a great a, a, a great honour, really, to have that experience, isn't it, with dogs? Do you have a dog, Emma? Uh, not anymore. I've got. A, I did have a um, a collie dog called Hike, um, and he, he was uh, very important to me. He was actually a it was a rescue dog, and he was a biter when I when I first got my. But I looked into it, and he was actually a, a fear biter. One of the things that um, happens with collies, if and if they go into rescue centres, is they get castrated. And because he was castrated so young, he didn't have the drive inside him. So it was actually fear that, you know, he was biting. And I, 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 I'm, um, we managed to just, um, you know, I was living in a flat, you know, with uh, no kids or anything like that. So it wasn't, wasn't as um, important, you know, if people said, does your dog bite? I'd say yes, you know. <laughs> um, but he, he finally got over it and uh, he was a lovely character. And of course, because I was working in the pet cemetery, you know, he was able to come to work every day. And, um, you know, I used to go to the pubs with him and, you know, he used to play pool and, oh, he was a lovely character and a big part of my life. Um, but then uh, as is last year's, I, I was pregnant with my daughter. So, you know, I've gone on to that. And I I'd still believe that a hike was e- easier to train, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> rather than the kids. So, yeah. Well, he'll always be with you, you know, and um, I think it's amazing as well. You must it must be quite hard for you on a daily basis in in the pet cemetery. I mean, uh, you know, seeing people so upset. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, they are upset, but funnily enough, when when 
customers use our pet funeral services they they you know they're unaware of the of us usually at the, at the beginning they're unaware that we can um provide a, a similar service to what they would get from uh, for any human member of the family and people usually uh, well they tend to feel a lot better after they've um they've come here you know we they get a lot more closure children are allowed to come in and sort of see where the dogs have um come and it, it's very emotional i even find it emotional looking around the headstones and feeling you know reading the the epitaphs which people have put to their pets yes. you know even still now it's uh it's very touching um but people are so thrilled with uh being able to say goodbye properly and get things done in a quick turnaround I think it's so important, Emma. I mean, you know, dogs are family. And something that struck me um, a few years ago, I, I went to Paris to the Cimetière des Chiens, which is just on the northwest side of Paris, where Rin Tin Tin is buried, you know, the original yeah. movie star. Yeah, he's got this massive, beautiful marble grave. But it's a really old cemetery, like it was built in 1880. And um, it's, got this huge, it's beautiful. It's very Victorian. And yeah. some of the tombs, I mean, the, you know, the outpouring of pain written, they didn't hold back the Victorians, you know, so they gushed. I was just in floods walking around these stunning monuments that are just a tribute to, you know, their, their best friend. Um, and um, it, it, when you compare it perhaps to some human cemeteries where the, the inscription might be, you know, <laughs> very yeah. basic. Grandfather. We, we, yeah. We're free to write, they're free to write whatever they like on the, on the headstones, which is, that's what, again, makes it so touching, you know, um, so they can say my mate, it could be very simple. And I think, it, you know, people that do prefer burial within the cemetery, you know, they just wouldn't be, you know, they'd be against cremation for any member of their family. Um, but it's also important to have a place where they can come visit, leave their grief um, and, you know, revisit as much as they need to. And they have that focal point, which is something that we've we've found is important for the memorial, you know, that they can have um, little bricks which will name to their pets so that they their dogs so that they can um, come visit tribute and it's having an area for for it to be channeled that grief you know and and understood and understood um so it's an important part of the process really is to have um you know memorialization it's one of the reasons why we we you know we find it so important to do what we're doing on this side of things as well well oh emma i think you're brilliant and i think you know channeling all of this into uh, the National Military Working Dogs War Memorial is um, really amazing. I'm a bit emotional and um, just say thank you, you know, for joining a dog's life on this, you know, uh, landmark day of, of 2020. And um, I, I really hope we can talk again as the memorial takes shape. Yes, I do as well. You know, we hopefully we'll be able to, um, talk about it a bit further and it's always nice to to make people aware of what we're doing you know it, it, uh, it, it's something that, that that they haven't thought of um, and every other country does have a national monument you know America have got one and um, Australia so we're you know we're a little bit behind the times considering we've, we've you know we've had the dogs the longest emma can you just remind everyone that's listening where they can find out about um the national military working dogs memorial and of course how they can donate 
Okay, so um, you can go to www.nmwdm, which is the National Military Working Dog Memorial, .org .uk, and there you can donate and obviously read uh, about the stories of the actual dogs that are going to represent the ser services. And it, it's situated, the actual uh, situation of the, of the memorial itself is adjacent to the pet cemetery in North Wales, um, next to the A55, which is a you know a high-profile tourist route into North Wales, um, and it's obviously somewhere where people will often um, holiday with their dogs, so they'll go past us. So it's very accessible to the public um, and very central in the UK. Oh well, Emma, thank you again, and let's hope all the donations flood in. <laughs> oh, lovely. Oh, thanks very much for chatting to me. Thank you. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, I am a little emotional, and I know you've learned a lot about the loyalty and sacrifice your fellow doggies have made. And I hope you all enjoyed it and were as moved as I was. If you were, please subscribe to A Dog's Life with Anna Webb on your favorite podcast app. We're on all of them. Thank you to Emma Ward of the National Military Working Dogs Memorial UK and links to their website are in the show notes if you'd like to contribute. Thank you to Orvis for supporting today's episode and to our sponsors RelaxoPet and Pet Trade Innovations. You can find links to their sites and to the ANA25 promotion code at Orvis in the show notes as well. My producer is Mike Hansen at Pod People Productions, and you can follow them on at Pod People UK. And for more about me, I'm at Anna Web Dogs. We'll be back in your feed next Sunday for another A Dog's Life with Anna Web. Bye for now.